Vandal Savage. He's a killer, conqueror, captain. Immortal, so you cannot whack him. Got these DC heroes slacking when he's planning. It's Vandal Savage. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shan. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the first year that you could evolve a Clefairy using a moonstone that maybe came from outer space, maybe not, uh, because that's when Pokemon debuted. So evolution, glowing stones from space, the first time it was possible. Okay, okay. I really and truly hope that the story of the first Clefairy evolving was nothing like the person who evolves in our episode today, because that that would be too definitely like one dark and one very light moment. <laughs> Clefairy would have blood on her hands. Oh, or yeah. their hands. <laughs> <laughs> Though we don't know the full history of Pokemon, so maybe there already is. It's possible. Mm-hmm. There was a Pokemon war. Maybe exactly. Clefairy metronomes a, a bunch of people out of existence. We don't know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I just thought about metronome and how basically it was any move possible. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking about any move possible, we are talking about a set of moves that were made in our next two episodes of our Young Justice Outsiders coverage. We are talking about episodes seven through eight. Today, we are talking about evolution and triptych. Timing for these episodes are between September 8th to September 26th. So there is definitely no chance to get any kind of holiday because I think a lot of kids are back to school. So I don't know what half of these characters are doing on the on the watchtower or other times but we are going to be focused on a character who does heavily deal with some stuff dealing with the moon or at least some space and a telling of eight of uh, stories of old so because of the fact that we're getting all this brand new information uh continuing on with our i feel like i'm trying to make a theme here with our set of episodes here in which i'm calling this one the new history mm. Especially involving bears. There's going to be a bear. There will be the biggest bear you'll ever see in your life. (laughs) Somebody call Mystical. (laughs) And first up on the list, the person who's going to be fighting this bear, we have Vandal Savage, who is now voiced by David Kay. Uh, He's taking the role after the passing of Miguel Ferrer. Uh, You might remember David Kay voiced as Megatron from various Transformers animated productions, as well as Arisham. From the Marvel Eternals movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was shocked when I saw that one. Uh, along with voicing Halo, Zara Fazal lends her voice to Cassandra Savage, the daughter of Vandal. Uh, Dark Side is being voiced by Michael Leon Woolley, who has done many stints on Broadway in shows like Ain't Misbehaving, Lil Shop of Horrors, and The Wiz. Uh, and but he's probably more recognizable as the voice of Louis the Alligator in Disney's The Princess and the Frog. These are such random assortments of roles. <laughs> Britt Barron gives a shocking performance as Livewire in our episodes today. So, along with providing the voice work in many other video games, you might also remember Britt from the Glow series from Netflix as Justine Biaghi as well as a scene from Young Justice that has made its way across memes uh, for many years that is definitely, I think, I think this it, it surpasses its PG-13 rating for that line. I, I, I think so. I could not. Somebody in the writer's room was like, yo, that made it into the final cut, everybody. Oh, my God. Uh, next up, Danielle Bobadilla. She's shifting from her Miss Martian character when we first reviewed her in uh, Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Today, she's providing the short couple of lines for the character for the villain, Mist. And finally, wrapping up our list of the cast here, we have the mother of Black Hollywood. 
the incomparable Jennifer Lewis is portraying the voice of Olympia in our evolution episode today. Ah, royalty. Just royalty. All right. So now that our cast list is set and our stats are good, uh, let's zay the tube over to the beginning of evolution. This starts with every exciting story. Every exciting story starts with a book because Cassandra Savage is getting a book that has detailed the evolution of Vandal Savage. And we do mean that quite literally because we learn that Vandal Savage, if you are not familiar with his backstory already, he was a caveman, essentially. Uh, and he heard in the distance a meteorite crash landing into the ground. So, you know, he decides, let me go check that out. Uh, and it parallels to modern times where Vandal Savage in modern times sees here's a space threat. He's assuming it's a meteorite. And they're like, why would you assume? He's like, well, maybe because of my whole backstory. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but instead of a meteorite in modern times, he's facing down an alien armada. Yes. And while he is trying to deal with that, we hop on over to Mountain Justice where um, it does make me question how old some of these kids are because we do have that Brion, Violet, and Forger are at the beach. Um, Connor and Artemis and Dick, we know that they are they they've completed their schooling. We're, they're good, but with the uh, with the three, they are just having a typical beach day. And this is when Dick Grayson arrives as he is brought forward superhero super suits, which is a joy for everyone. Except for Brion, who questions, why is it so form-fitting? <laughs> yeah, Superboy also is agrees with that. He's like, no, I'm I'm good with just the t-shirt and jeans. I feel you, bro. So, and I also love the uh, the little joke here, Forager, because uh, they talk about Brion getting the super suit because they don't want it, him to burn off his clothes. So they're like, oh, you, you, no one wants to see you naked. And Forager goes, I'm naked right now. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm going to put a helmet on. And now I'm not naked. It's it's a great little beat for uh, Forager. But meanwhile, let's leave the super suits and get back to the biggest damn bear you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think this is actually our most chat character. of this <laughs> Oh, episode. easily. There is no competition. Because <laughs> yes, uh, as... Um, Vandal Savage is continuing on with his story through the way of Olympia and Cassandra reading the book. Uh, he comes face to face with a bear, this giant cave bear, who apparently is his nemesis. This thing has been <laughs> coming after him since the day he was born. Like, this is the most revenant thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> This is where we got this. I don't know what came first if Leonardo DiCaprio was just like, you know what, that this show about a man and a bear, I, I like it. Let's, and that's how you got the Oscar people. I'm just saying, just mm -hmm. Vandal Savage did it. So, Vandal Savage, he gets attacked by this bear. Um, this is where we get a bit of an origin too of the scar that is constantly seen on Vandal's face as of more recently. Um, is because the bear gave him three slash marks, which is a nice touch to see because the slash marks are also on the book that. Mm -hmm um olympia gives to cassandra which is a nice little touch just to say that like these two do coincide with one another uh vandal though you know if you see him in the forest of a grizzly bear you gotta help the bear because this man took it down he made sure to that he on his mission to get this meteorite because he knew it was calling to him he finally defeated his nemesis um, this is happening at the same time that Olympia and Cassandra are talking in the background. Olympia keeps asking, have you read the part about the bear? But Cassandra is more focused on the fact that Vandal is having this conversation with Luthor in which Luthor is asking, hey, can you uh, make sure to, can you try to call the Justice League maybe to try to stop this armada? Or is there anything that you can do? Maybe uh, there's something we could do with the Green Lantern Corps. But this is where we find out that because of last season, Luthor has put so many restrictions on the Justice League that they can't get there in time. The Green Lancer Corps are still dealing with the um with everything dealing with the reach that happened last season. So obviously this just means that Vandal 
just has to do it himself. And luckily for him, he has the greatest weapon, uh, well, he's one of the greatest weapons within the solar system. Yes. Vandal Savage brings back the war world, which I admittedly completely forgot he even touched <laughs> after <laughs> the last season. Uh, so look, we got a little war world here. Uh, I also like to point out that the whole army is attacking Earth and Vandal and Alex are just talking about it like a baseball game. They're like, oh, could you get somebody else? Uh, no, no, not really. But, uh, you know, maybe I can get I can do this Homer myself. And he does go to do it himself. But speaking of. <laughs> no, I'm going to make that Don't joke. do that. I'm not going to make that joke. He's 13 rated with Forger, OK? <laughs> um, Jeff is on a hot date with Jace. they're they're getting very close and as that's going on we get go cut back to the beach where we're seeing more bonding forger and nightwing are sparring and after nightwing tries to teach forger some moves forger fights dirty use a little pocket sand uh, technique. <laughs> it, was get, pocket sand. it was pocket sand <laughs> to take him out. Meanwhile, Artemis is using positive encouragement for Halo because Halo is still trying to get the grip of going through her, cycling through her powers. But Artemis is like, look, you're doing better every day. And Superboy is also training Breon because he's not going to be hurt by Breon's attacks. And at one point, Brion loses his shirt and Dick has the backup shirt on deck. <laughs> He's like, this this happens all the time. Can y'all not make him stronger shirts? <laughs> Yo, I feel like there's a there's a scheme going on here. It's owned by Big T-shirt. That's what he's <laughs> doing little by little. <laughs> it was me. Big T-shirt. So while they're having bonded, having a good, good time. We get Vandal Savage, who is now pulling out the war world and threatening this alien armada. Yeah, it, um, he's joined by his uh, his daughter, Cassandra, and Olympia as well. And once again, it's a question of, have you read the story of the bear? Um, we do see that Vandal is trying to communicate. He's trying to hail the um, the invading force, telling them that the Earth is his. Y'all need to turn around, go back home. Ain't nothing for you here no more. Um, but they're not responding at all. In fact, they start firing, which causes Vandal to just say, all right, unleash the entire force of war world, which he starts to do. And Cassandra starts to, again, parallel this moment with what's happening as she's thinking about the stories that she read in the book. Um, at this time now, Vandal has finally reached the meteorite. He is amazed by this, like, glowing greenish look to it um and as he comes closer and closer unfortunately he gets attacked by another man um i guess this was like number two nemesis of his because it was like the bear and then it was just like this dude who legit threw a straight up spear through his chest and now it does seem like this is the end of vandal savage however before we find out truly what happened, we got to hop back over to Mountain Justice because now we are having the greatest story or tale of I think I've ever heard in my entire life, which was definitely a dig at some moments in history. Oh, yes, because now Brion brings uh, up the argument of Batman versus Superman. Who would win? And uh, Connor comes in first with that's so stupid. How? Why would they even fight? <laughs> and they're, they just go back and forth of criticizing, like, you know, Batman's a tactician, and they're like, but he's just a man. So, I mean, this is made post-Batman v. Superman, so I'm going to say this goes as the second best dig at that. Um, the first is going to be the Lego movie of uh, Lego Batman movie. Just go see the scene for yourself about how they address Batman v Superman. <laughs> so this all ties back into Dick talking about metahumans and explaining that the first metahuman was Vandal. And we see 
the flashback scene of Vandal rising after being seemingly killed and taking over and eliminating the Neanderthals because he's like, well, I don't really see the point in you guys. So I just want to say yeah. that as a um, anthropology major from school, we have been trying to find the answer to this for so long. Here it is. Vandal Savage is the reason why evolution happened between uh, Neanderthals to Cro-Magnum. Uh, this is it. Put your books away. Go get your degree. Mm -hmm. Finally figure it out. <laughs> Walk this in with your professor. You get a free pass. You got the final taken care of. It's all good. <laughs> and uh, this is also, now that we've gotten that, we get a, a nice Skype call that I guess is covered by eight space AT&T uh, between <laughs> Vandal and Darkseid. And I do love that this entire time, Darkseid respects Vandal, but won't even bother to look at the camera. <laughs> he does not want his camera on at all. He just occasionally looks back. Darkseid works from home. That's what <laughs> that's, that's true. It, yeah, and there's, there's a conversation where Vandal's basically like, hey, I could use a little bit of help here, you know, just to protect our mutual investment on Earth. And well, before we can wonder why these two really mess with each other, we get another flashback to when Vandal Savage was a different historical figure. <laughs> yes, because uh, one of the things, powers that he did gain from this meteorite is immortality, as we've known. Um, so many years has passed, 50,000 years or so. And we see that one of the identities he takes on is that of Genghis Khan. Um, much like a scene that is reminiscent from the Zack Snyder version of the Justice League, we do see that Darkseid has come to Earth in in the search for the anti-life equation. Um, he And he is met by the warriors and the battlers of Earth to try and stop from their home world from being conquered. Now... Genghis Khan, or Vandal Savage here, is joined by two of his children, and they are able to hold back uh, Darkseid here. They, it's at a point where they do reach a bit of a stalemate. However, Darkseid does express that Vandal's genetic gifts, by which meaning that he's able to create metahumans and be a metahuman himself, is the reason why the two of them decide to form a pact, because they realize that eventually when if they work together the two things that will be left in the galaxy when time and wars have passed will just be earth and apocalypse so they know that between those two earth and apocalypse will be the final battle to determine who is superior so they decide that they're just going to protect each other's planets in the hope for this big battle later on in the end yeah i'm so glad we got to the end of the series with this big ba oh right oh. anyway <laughs> <laughs> so um after we get this backstory we get a little bit more of how the heroes are doing jeff is going hard to try to to hang out with jace because he's laughing at every one of our terrible ass jokes oh yeah um, <laughs> like he's really going for it and <laughs> then on over on the beach dick is saying you know what? It's time to choose our code names so that we're out on comms. Y'all don't get busted. And it's kind of nice because we already saw them kind of move towards their code names. But the only one left is Brion, who goes hot lava. That's the one. And they're like, yeah, no, we're going to have to veto that. Um, yeah. Artemis just straight up is like, no, nah, we're not calling you that. And he settles on Geoforce because it is, quote, less of a stripper name. Um, <laughs> you know, so I do love the the po poking fun at these names. And now they go straight into team maneuvers. Maneuver seven. You know, maneuver seven always works. Mm -hmm. So as they're bonding and getting closer, Vandal Savage throws out another just sick line of when they question, like, why they're not just blowing everything up. Vandal looks on everything and goes... Life is not wasted if it can be controlled and conquered. So he is willing to keep people alive if they can benefit him. But luckily, he's going to get a little bit of help from Darkseid's favorite son, Calabac. Yes, and I do love this moment in which Vandal does call him his quote-unquote favorite son, knowing that 
the history of Calabac and who he is and how Ryan is technically the better one. Uh, but besides all that, we also get like a fun little beat where um, Vandal does share a little bit comparing what's happening here to his um, two children, Ishtar and Nabu, uh, because they start realizing when Calabac is able to assist in the destruction that the force they're facing off against is a force that... Um, Vandal, when at the time as called Marduk, when he was um, in control of Babylonia, he faced off against this Patrick the Starfish-like creature. Yes, that is right. We do see the return of Starro. Um, Starro was one of the first things that um, Vandal faced off against from outside of the stars, besides um, Darkseid. So as he realizes that Starro is in control of these aliens that have come to attack Earth, he decides that the only thing that he can do is to do something that he did back in the day as Marduk in Babylonia. Um, but in order to do so, he must do the same thing at where he gives control of his greatest weapon to his daughter. So much like Marduk giving power to Ishtar in that battle, uh, Vandal Savage decides to give Cassandra the complete control of Warworld. Yes, and um, I also want to mention that Calabac just casually sacrifices a metahuman to uh, oh, yeah. destroy the fleet. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, again, pushing forward the theme of how metahumans have just become this kind of commodity and not even seen as life. So, while... They are out while Vandal is on making his way downtown, walking fast. We get another scene with Jeff and Jace at a hotel where after a dinner where they presumably drank a lot of apple juice. So they were mm -hmm. just energetic on sugar. They decide to play some a game of Uno. You know, those those late night games of Uno we all enjoy with that one special person in her hotel room. So as they're seeing what Uno, who will get the draw four and who will get the reverse. Savage is out here taking care of business and with a sword, just a regular sword, it looks like, not even like a, a space sword. He just does it. He just kills Starro himself. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is a quick victory. I, I loved it because um we do see that surprisingly also Vandal Savage is a really great father. Because when he gives power of the war world over to Cassandra, he actually gives advice on how to control it and even um, asks her to find what it is I'm looking for. So when he arrives into Starro's face, as Starro is just shooting off little bits of itself to try and take control, um, we see that no man controls or no star controls Vandal Savage here as he takes the sword, cuts it into Starro, and that is also where he tells us that when he first defeated Starro back in the day, um, he was championed by the people of Babylonia, and he and his daughter were then called the Light. So this is how we got to learn how the Light came to be, what it was, what the purpose was. And it really is, from Vandal's point of view, to protect the Earth as much as possible, but it also means to keep him in rule. Um, so now that we brought that to light, we hop back over to Mount Justice, where uh, much like the praise that Vandal and his daughter Ishtar are receiving, Dick, Connor, and Artemis are praising our young heroes now for um, learning their new skill sets, learning how to be better at a team as a team. And Artemis is just like, yo, because of all your hard work, um, we're going to give you a s'mores party, which Halo is super excited about to the point where she turns green revealing that she has a new power of creating shadow clone jutsu styles of herself. I mean, that's kind of appropriate. I, I mean, think, you know, you give Naruto some good ramen and he'd do the same thing. That is true. Uh, so it, I'm it just kind of we works. don't have that many s'mores, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. That's why they were like, go back to training, because they had yeah. to send somebody to get s'mores. <laughs> so after doing that, we cut back to the war world where Mongol is still in prison, y'all. Like, they're still mm -hmm. keeping him there. They are not letting this dude out. <laughs> and Despero, too. Yeah. Locked <laughs> up. He won't let... <laughs> let him out. And um, Pia is so excited. She's like, I can't wait to write about this conquest in the book. 
And Vandal just very gently but threateningly goes up to her and says, Olympia, you know we don't write any of this down because with my long-term plans and immortality, I just can't have records of what I've been doing. That's not part of the plan. And Olympia says, sorry, I must have forgotten. And that's when Vandal just takes her in uh, as she's recounting happy memories and snaps her neck. This is when we get the other reveal that Olympia was one of Vandal Savage's many children. And she had obviously been struggling with dementia in her advanced age. And he saw it as, you know, this is just something he had to do because he couldn't risk messing up the plans. And Cassandra in a cold, in in a moment that shows how cold his family is, she goes, oh, I understand. This was necessary Mm -hmm. for your greatness. So this is appropriately Vandal has to end on a savage moment. <laughs> you know, mm. that that it just is in very character for her, for him. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, that scene was strong, um, especially because it does end to saying that the reveal of her being a daughter of Vandal Savage comes out when he says that, no, we're going to give her a proper burial because a daughter of Vandal Savage needs to be recognized in such a way. Uh, this is how we end our episode here. We do get a little... Uh, post credit scene in which we do see a, um, a memorial notice to Miguel Ferrer uh, as we hop on over now to our next episode Triptych where it begins a little kind of in the future very reminiscent of the um, episode where uh, Nightwing is trying to revive Artemis and states that like how could it go so wrong where Nightwing now arrives into Oracle's place of business and he mentions that she mentions to him that he was late but he replies ah there was there were some difficulties mm. yeah so speaking of difficulties we got shade live wire and uh mist mist, mist apparently who is yeah. who is this person <laughs> well it definitely ain't puff from static shock that's all i know <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused as to where this person even came from. But <laughs> from the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> but they are hanging out doing a crime. And while they are acclimating to each other, throwing in some weirdly adult jokes. Um, cause Shade is trying to steal a machine and they're like, hurry up. And he's like, that's a lot to swallow. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, <laughs> That's what she said, jokes. But as the the mission goes on and Shade is struggling to get everything done, they get a little backup help from Cheshire, who, you know, first time we've seen her in a while. And she does so well on this mission that she almost immediately gets shot. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good clean shot right through the shoulder. So now as... Our team of villains are trying are frantically trying to escape. Luckily, they're able to do so because either a bullet or somebody knocks over a um like a little lamp and it creates just enough of a shadow for Shade to use it as a portal to get away. Uh meanwhile, thing talking about things being done in the dark, we hop on over to Jefferson and Helga, who are who have clearly finished up their Uno game. Um they it, here, Jeff is expressing that he is kind of upset that he left the Justice League at the same time that uh, Batman did, as well as the fact that he kind of left a lot of his people in the lurch. Like, you know, he was mentoring Virgil at the time. and He just felt like he kind of abandoned the kid here, which, yes, you did, Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, and but at the same time, he's just like he really wanted to stay away from the Justice League. Because they were so focused on um, it's just like the politics of heroism that was just too much for him, given everything that was going on, and that he feels better off freelancing with Nightwing, who happens to be calling him right at this second, interrupting this Uno game that they st- finally have finished up. Yeah, they just got really sweaty, so that's why they were naked. Yeah, uh, But <laughs> <laughs> Nightwing reveals that he got some League of Shadows intel, so he's like, Brion, calm down. Hot lava, chill. And uh, he finds that Cheshire has been wounded, so she needs to get surgery. That 
greatly reduces the amount of places she can go. So they they we cut to the uh Cheshire getting surgery from a doctor, Dr. Moon. Is yeah. that Enchantress? No, Mad, no or... it's an actual doctor in the DC. Like one, two pages of comics, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> More than Elm Worth, you're saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Han finding this back door, back alley doctor. We get a fight between the heroes and the villains. And actually, the villains are not doing too bad at first. Nightwing is getting choked out by Mist because she can change her density. And while he has trouble hitting her, she can hit him right back. And Shade is absolutely handling everybody at one point with his shadow shadow jutsu. So they're trying to turn things around. And in this turnaround, we get one of the greatest lines of all time. Yes, we have the ultimate battle, Black Lightning versus Livewire. So just some quick stats about the two. Um, we know that for Livewire, she's kind of like living electricity. She can absorb every bit of electricity that comes her way. Uh, Black Lightning has apparently Black Lightning. So during this moment in which uh, Black Lightning has subdued Livewire a bit, he is using his powers to try to see if he could kind of short circuit her a little bit in which she says, ha, I'm lightning. I could take, I could absorb all of this. And he states, you ain't never had black lightning before. <laughs> um, the scene, the, the scene is adult. It's, P, it's, it's PG 13 y'all. It's, it's <laughs> PG 13. <laughs> it might be R. <laughs> um, yeah. Jeff, Jeff's uh, getting confused about what he's doing. He's slow. Yeah, I think he's still a little hyped up off of that Uno game from earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Using lines he used last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, so while Jeff is able to handle that, uh, we do see that Shade has truly actually won a 3v1 battle against Halo, Geoforce, and Forger. Um, in doing so, he is able to use his uh, shadow powers to teleport Geoforce into the shadows. This causes Halo to go into a frantic state where she's quite angry over the fact that Geoforce has gone missing. Shade has mentioned that he's basically just going to leave him there. Um, this is when Halo unleashes her ultimate form, I'm assuming, in which she now starts to glow white. And I'm unsure of what this what happened here. Basically, it seems like she works as a very bright flashlight mm -hmm. um, because as Shade is trying to use his shadow abilities to create a shield for himself, uh, it breaks right through causing him to get knocked out. And because he needs his moment to recover and he decides to retreat, he disappears and sends Geoforce back up so that everyone can find him. Yeah, basically, this is just what happens when you put your iPhone brightness on Max on the flashlight. <laughs> like, it, it'll just it'll do the same thing. I don't know why they didn't think of that, honestly. But <laughs> uh, Artemis uh, finally gets to confront Cheshire. And I, I just... The the voice acting for Artemis all season has been so great. Mm -hmm. What do you we I still keep say what are you doing regularly after that <laughs> Halo episode? But she tells she's basically asking her sister the question we're all wondering: Why ain't you at home with your kid? Why is your baby daddy and sister raising the kid while you're off doing this crimes? And Dresser uh, just says, "Look." I'm Cheshire first and a mom second, unfortunately. So she does give her Artemis some intel saying that now Santa Prisca, which apparently is like an Airbnb for criminals nowadays, is being <laughs> loaned out to the League of Shadows. Bane is a super host. <laughs> yeah. Bane's like, I don't even need to do crime anymore. I'm just loaning this island out. And before they leave, Cheshire says, Hey, can you hug Leanne for me? And Artemis says, "One does you one better." She says, "Go see your kid." <laughs> and again, please see the original voice acting for this because great performances. And now, in 
an unexpected turn of events. Suddenly, we're following Robin leading members of Batman Incorporated chasing down Mad Hatter. There is no trend. We didn't skip anything. That's that's the transition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we see this team of Robin, uh, Arouette, spoiler, and Cassandra Kane or Orphan, um, they're, they're basically looking out for him. They see that he is drinking like, gal- like not gallons, like liters of water continuously. And they're trying to figure out why he's doing this. Like he's supposed to be heading to work. Um, so honestly, it feels like these kids are just acting like parole officers, just like very intense parole officers. Um, but when they they do see, though, that every single time he drinks a bottle of water, he throws the bottle onto the ground. And he is so lucky that Batman wasn't there because I feel like that would be a broken collarbone bone just for loitering, um, for littering. Uh, so now that they pick up this bottle, they see that it has some traces of clay backwash in it. Um as they are about to investigate what's happening, we see that Orphan disappears, and she immediately pulls out the sword and slices Mad Hatter in half. Fortunately for her, though, it was Clayface. Yeah, though they do acknowledge, would like, would that have mattered? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so even though Clayface is able to get away, spoiler. Not it's it's spoiler, right? Yes, spoiler. There's I couldn't keep track of them all. Spoiler <laughs> and just felt like the same person to me. Like it yeah. sounds weird. It just I felt like they were it's like that when we were watching the Power Rangers movie. It was just like Rocky and Adam. They just <laughs> interchangeable, honestly. Yeah, there's not enough distinctions between the two of those quite yet, especially mm-hmm. since we don't haven't really spent any time with them one on one. So Spoiler, in the midst of everything, throws a tracer into Clayface so that they'll be able to follow the villain wherever they go. And we also find out that (laughs) upon Hatter getting freed from prison, he went back to crime immediately. Like, (laughs) he didn't waste a single second uh, to, to do that. And he is talking about his plan he's working on somebody else right now as we can see trying to use his hypnotic abilities to get them under his control and robin comes in with his team and at this point is what i'm thinking the crime in this gotham universe must be particularly bad because there's like eight people on the squad for gotham and it's like that's that's Batman's not even here. So it's yeah. like what is going on in Gotham right now? But as they try to confront Mad Hatter, he decides to cut all his losses and blow the building. Robin to his credit does try to save Clayface, but can't get to Clayface in time as the building goes. But if you watch Harley Quinn, <laughs> you know what happens next. <laughs> Yes, uh, because Clayface is immediately able to start recompiling himself. Uh, this time around, it does look like it'll take some time because um, it does get pointed out. We do see like a little piece of clay trying to find a bigger piece of clay. And I was wondering, does this count towards our our like building explosions that Nightwing is technically? OK, I know it wasn't yes. Nightwing, but it's like trained by the same person. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, Nightwing would have signed off on this. Absolutely. <laughs> he he actually preferred. He's like, hey, if on, on your way out of if you just happen to blow something up, that's, that's totally cool with me. All right, like, here, here's some extra bombs just in case, you know, just yeah. just in case. <laughs> so while this is happening, we hop on over to what's happening between Aquaman, who we haven't seen in a while, but Aquaman, I mean Calder. Um, he's talking with Miss Martian, and there we see a hologram appear of Wonder Woman, in which she says she's sorry for being late. Um, this is where we kind of get like an overview about everything that's happened in the past two days outside of what we've seen. So in Star City, we find out that Brick and a bunch of unnamed metahuman prisoners were being loaded into um into like the penitentiary transport but and to make their way to bell rev but unfortunately they never quite made it because we got the og sports master here 
who decided to throw a full-on javelin at the truck. And it worked. Mm. An armored car got taken out <laughs> by a javelin. I've asked this before. What is the patent status of the DC universe? Because I feel like that kind of metal should exist in real life. Look, I don't know Sportsmaster's true backstory, but I imagine it has something to do with him taking every steroid imaginable <laughs> at once. And this is what happens. Sometimes you turn into a supervillain. But on the scene as the drivers are Flash and Shazam, which was like, why is this a reveal? And also Abracadabra is here for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, um, despite not having any lines, which, you know, is a choice, Sportsmaster gets away from the Flash by using Flash's greatest weakness, running around the damn corner, because the fastest man alive <laughs> is always is constantly defeated by corners <laughs> in, like, in this universe. Oh, right angle. Ah, oh, God. <laughs> so Brick gets sent back to prison. And now that we found out that in that prison transport um, were people stolen for projects such as Shade. And here is where a, we turn a corner into an exposition wall unlike any you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, so now we bring ourselves back to the beginning of our episode where... Um, we see that Aquaman is finishing this report to Wonder Woman. Uh, he is in Gotham City alongside with Nightwing and Oracle, who appeared there. This is where um, he first came in. And they are later joined by Batman and Robin. So Batman is reporting how every single part of this episode, the missions that we saw, how they all intertwine. And it's because they were able to successfully take out the metahuman trafficking operation being operated by Branchwater Security, which is a front for Stag Industries. Uh, so we get introduced to this universe's Simon Stag. Um, long story short about him, he's one of those evil billionaires that we have running around these days, both in real life and in comics. And he uses his company to try and create and create like metacrime covert operations. Um, using them mostly for corporate espionage and warfare. So Oracle explains the connection, how there's a, there's a supply chain of acquisition, coercion, and utilization. In acquisition, they were able to get um, metahumans from prisoners and prison transports. So unlike what we were seeing before in our previous episodes, they just decided to pick up already empowered individuals because unlike the kids who they are transforming, uh, these individuals know how to use their abilities. So in the coercion phase, this is where Branchwater brought them over to Mad Hatter, who would give them this nanotech te technology into their system, which, much like we saw Clayface um, drinking all this water. So that's where the nanites were coming from. And Shade was also a victim of that. So we saw, what we saw in the um, part where Robin was seeing Shade getting injected with some nanites it was because that was earlier on in which Shade was able to escape. And then he was being used as part of Cheshire's team where um, we saw him fighting against Forger and the likes. But wait, there's more. Clayface yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, does thank Robin for being freed from the nanotech because, you know, a Hatter nanotech is... I would walk in the park for any of the Batman Incorporated. They casually throw away that Mist and Livewire are minors, so they are going to be rehabilitated, but Clayface has to go back to jail. I'm like, that's not fair at all, actually. Not at all, because I feel like <laughs> those two were be were did it on their own thing. He was actually, we have evidence that he was being used. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. We also get a nice little tease because they say one of the reach devices they recovered was sent back to Dr. Stone when coupled with a reference to Victor Stone, the football player in a previous episode. You can see they're laying out the groundwork for a cyborg introduction. And we also get the reveal that Hatter, that Shade was captured by Hatter and converted 
you you choose at what sequence those events happen because it could have been any of them. And this is where now we finally settled. Robin deems them like these methods were necessary. We're the anti-light and Wonder Woman hits them. So we're the darkness. Mm. It was like, well, that's a bad choice of words. But um, I mean, that's kind of our whole thing. You know, Gotham. <laughs> Batman. It's kind of our kind of our thing. Fortunately, though, Batman does kind of come to his defense uh, because obviously Robin was definitely swinging above his his weight here. So as Batman and Wonder Woman are quarreling about this, she states that, you know, you're creating a case in which we are working outside of the law. Um, and if it came to it, are we sure that we can even be able to act upon the fact that we can if we were brought to court and asked these questions? Would we actually lie on the under oath? And Batman brings up a very good point. The reason why he didn't include Superman into this plan is because he knows that Superman would ever would never lie under oath. He assumes that because Diana is a sovereign princess of Themyscira, she has diplomatic immunity and would obviously use her diplomatic status to avoid testifying. Which Wonder Woman asks, "Are all y'all comfortable with lying?" And that when you look around the room. It is legit. Every single person who has done, who has lied or gone beyond the normal means to cover up a secret or an identity. So we're at a point now where it's just like, yes, this is truly what's happening. Batman Incorporated is much larger than we actually thought. Um, so now that we see all this play out, it's kind of crazy just to see that um, now we have it that Aquaman and Miss Martian, who two individuals who in the past would probably not be a part of this, now that they fully are, they just look at each other and they don't say anything because that's it. That is how our episode ends. Yes. Um, also, a, a thing of note uh, to just throw out there, the episode also included a line about Superboy and McGann are fighting. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I, were, uh... I, there's no follow-up to that. I just wanted to... <laughs> I actually didn't know if they were fighting. They were like, they were mending fences. And I was like, is that code for something? Right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that happened as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, now that we take... We're going to take a quick break and try to figure out what all these... Uh, what mending fences truly means. Here's a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family i swear i talk more in the episodes now that we've finished out our two episodes uh what which of these two episodes do you think earned the most whelmed award for this week oh whoa whoa this is gonna be a tough one uh i, I truly <laughs> don't know uh it's it's evolution uh <laughs> evolution <laughs> is uh it's a really great exploration of Vandal Savage um, as a character, as a person, as a as his motivations of always constantly evolving to stay on top till he found the one thing he couldn't evolve past and had to compromise. Mm. So this is really what informs his character for the rest of the show. And every time we see him uh, in subsequent appearances, the daughter twist was excellent. I love the daughter twist at the end of that episode. and. In between that, we get some rare moments of just pure sweetness between the heroes that are having a good day because they don't get a lot of those. So all of that made it a fantastic episode. But even if it hadn't been, <laughs> uh, Triptych <laughs> is just too confusing. I always love when a, an author, writers, let believe in their audience's intelligence, let them figure things out. But this was a situation where it was just too hard to follow what was going on. You felt a step behind the entire episode. And as a result, the final story doesn't come together. And 
principle of all, there is a conflict about lying and deceiving. And that's not really the problem in this episode. Mm. Like none of the villains are lying to each other, <laughs> if anything. But honestly, I found it hard to determine what the heroes were even doing that was that bad in this particular episode. It seems like stuff they would normally do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I was like, when Wonder Woman was just like, you're going to have to lie on, in, in the courtroom. And I was just like, why do we even have to go to the courtroom? Who even said we were going there? What if we just did our job, got the evidence, and, you know, did these little underhanded things? But, like, at the end of the day, everything to me seemed pretty legit. Um, So I'm going to also agree. Uh, Evolution was my most well-known episode. I will flag, though, that in comparison to... Uh, triptych. I don't think we got a sense of like it kind of. Mo- it didn't really feel like it moved the plot along. I feel like it just added more context to some things. Um, I think triptych. What it did there is just like we get a chance to see um the two stages of where both sides are willing to go, and I think that the reveal that Batman Incorporated isn't what we truly thought it was, where it's just like these individuals left and they decided to do their own thing. So seeing it, how it has played out from the very beginning was a nice touch, but I agree. It just felt too over the place. Like um, it did feel like three stories were trying to come together and try to make do with what they had. But evolution was clear cut from the very beginning. Um, You know, even as like, I would I don't even want to call it like a filler episode because of the fact that it has such great writing, great character dynamics. Um and I just love the little history about it that I found out that Olympia wasn't even supposed to be in that episode at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh Greg Weissman and Brandon Vietti, when they were first putting together the uh storyboard, the background information, the drafting of this episode, um they uh, Brandon kind of felt that like he wanted to have a character like Olympia, but it was unsure about I think how to use this character. So Greg was just like, "Nah, <laughs> it don't make no sense. You don't even know how to use the character. Why would you try to include her?" Um, but adding this sense of like seeing how Olympia worked within the inner circle, how what she provided helped to tie in what was happening in the moment to. Um, what was happening in the past and then creating this wonderful story about and seeing how she unfortunately was killed at the end. It created a character that was just like, dang, like I want, I'm, I'm impressed by the writing that was done for Olympia. Uh, so fortunately, Vietti was able to convince Weitzman because of being able to bring about the, how this story tied together in this way. And she is an original character, um, you know, because oh. Yeah, original character, at least in the uh, in the TV world. There's never there are daughters and sons of Vandal Savage, as we've seen not only in the show but just heard about in other movies and comics. Um, but Olympia is a brand new character, so seeing that she was made in this way and added to the story in this way, it's wonderful. Especially because she's like a big, she's like a not a great part but i think one of the lot the things that really stuck out for me is the line of a life should not be wasted while it may yet be controlled to serve a greater purpose like that mm. shows such a crazy way of thinking from vandal savage's perspective and it makes you understand a little bit from seeing how it played out in his life why he thinks like that absolutely Absolutely. And I want to go on the record and say that my favorite um my favorite savage child is Scandal Savage because mm-hmm. that's just winning the name lottery right there <laughs> and living up to it as well. Uh so I just wanted to put that on the record. But I absolutely 100% agree. I love what they did with her character in such a short time and you you create this uh this such a humane character that also goes to demonstrate how how Vandal Savage lures people in and how he's attracted people into a circle and has everybody from dark side to Lex Luthor respecting his hustle. You know, it's because he is so driven, he's so dedicated, and he has the feats to back it up. (laughs) So, yeah, all in all, very strong episode. 
And Triptych just unfortunately tr- held its cards too close to the chest until the end. And, and it just got really difficult to follow, um, which um, kind of ruined the potential of what it was going for, uh, bringing three unrelated stories into one. It just did not do it in an efficient way. Yeah. So now that we have our most warmed episode, uh, and we were both in agreement on it being evolution. I think it's time to talk about the man who made that episode, uh, the OG of villainry. Uh, we talked about it a few times, but you know, I'm gonna try to channel a little Beast Boy here. <laughs> made a little, a little rap for a little Diddy for Vandal. Oh, Savage. okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Bars. Yes, yes. Uh, so we got Vandal Savage. He's a killer, conquer, captain, immortal. So you cannot whack him. Got these DC heroes slacking when he's planning. It's Vandal Savage. E. <laughs> I'm. I know you were inspired by Blue Beetle himself rapping this week on Twitter. Oh so. yes, <laughs> yes. I'm. I'm. I'm not coming for the throne. You know, I'm not coming for the throne. But I'm just saying that you you inspired the millions. I cannot wait for that movie to come out because if that if if he drops some bars in that film, best film of all time. I'm just saying. There we go. <laughs> you know, definitely. Uh, has an advantage for DC this year. Uh, it's that or Aquaman too. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, back to the man that we are talking about today, Vandal Savage. So who is he? Um, he was he made his first appearance in Green Lantern Volume One, Issue Number Ten, back in December of 1943. So the Green Lantern that we're actually talking about is Alan Scott. So this is a again an OG OG mm. story of a villain here. Uh, he's created by Martin Nodell and Alfred Bester. So as we saw in the show, the story that we read, the, that we heard about him from Cassandra and Olympia, that is pulled more or less directly from the comics. Um, we do see that he is this Cro-Magnum being that found this meteor that gave him the abilities of longevity and mortality um, super healing factor that I think honestly rivals that of Deadpool, probably. <laughs> um, but Vandal, whose real name is Vandar Og, uh, he came when he came into contact with this. We found out in later issues of the comic that this meteor might actually be a piece of the totality. Uh, this is the energy source behind the creation of the multiverse. Oh, wow. Oh, that's uh. That's a little bit more powerful than a double A battery, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's wild to see that like he has this tie, and I think it does tie in a little bit to what we saw in this episode too, where he was asking if it's the meteor because one of his um goals in the comics as well throughout time has been to re-engage with this meteor in case another piece comes back his way. It's also because this piece of the meteor is probably the only thing that is actually possible to kill him. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's just trying to put it under lock and key to make sure that he's good. Some kind of kryptonite. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of his longevity, uh, you know, obviously we talked about in the past about and in this episode about his many, many kids. Um uh, some of whom we actually got a chance to meet Scandal Savage back in our Suicide Squad Hell to Pay episode. Uh, great, you know, portrayal of a daughter of Scandal Sa- of San- of Vandal Savage here. So we get a chance to also meet Cassandra, which um, I'm still unsure about this. I think the two might be the same, but I also believe that the two are supposed to be completely different. Hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, because of the fact that he lived so long, obviously... You know, he probably has some issues with his identity. So obviously he had to grab as many identities as he could. Some real, some fake. Uh, one of the earliest ones probably is that he was believed to be Kane. Um, create, uh, and was the <laughs> first committed murder in back in the day. Uh, we got also that he was possibly Blackbeard. We know that he definitely confirmed that he was Genghis Khan. He was Murdoch in um, the rule of Babylonia. Uh, we also believe it's also believed that he was Jack the Ripper, Julius Caesar, and Alexander the Great. So I guess he just got for extracurriculars, just became <laughs> <laughs> like I don't even know what the point would have been. He was just like trying to move forward anatomy study. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like yo, college colleges are looking for those extracurriculars, man. We gotta <laughs> get them all. <laughs> 
Um, but even though he's had so many different identities, one thing has remained constant, and that is that Vandal Savage was an Earth 2 villain. Hmm. Um, he actually was one of the first people to learn of the existence of the multiverse when um, someone came to visit him and explained the, the history of it all and how he was going to eventually face off against his, one of his greatest adversaries, Green Lantern, Alan Scott, and the rest of the Justice Society. Like He was able to see that battle in the past and what it looked like in the future. But it did not stop him on his quest for world domination um, because, again, he just kept on fighting against the Justice Society. He then decided to, unfortunately, they, you know, they, I guess after time they were like, eh, it's getting kind of boring right now. So his new adversary was the DC hero Immortal Man. Um, we kind of <laughs> may have seen Immortal Man. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, this was the dude that speared him in the in our episode today. Maybe. <laughs> is ne- <laughs> okay, that his nemesis is just a mortal man. Uh, that's just <laughs> that's just too funny. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, because they were from warring factions from back in the day, their Crow Magnum days. So immortal immortal man, he is just to not confuse him with Mystic Immortal from the She-Hulk television series. <laughs> <laughs> The power set is very similar, but Immortal Man can die. He just changes when he comes back. He changes his appearance and his personality. Uh, so think more like Doctor Who, I guess. Okay. He's just like reincarnated. Okay. Yeah. Um, eventually, though, something happened to Immortal Man where either he got erased from the timeline or he just decided to change identities enough to the point where now Vandal Savage's new adversary was called Resurrection Man. You know, I, I get Vandal Savage is the king of this name, but y'all need to talk to some PR people because these names y'all, do better. All right. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Do better. Worse. <laughs> um, I think Resurrection Man's power is a little cooler than um, Immortal Man because he does come back to life, um, sometimes with little to no memory of who he was before. But he comes back with the ability uh, to not die by the means of the ways that he died before. So I guess a lot like Doomsday, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Thankfully, though, because of comics, Crisis on Infinite Earths decided to end that whole battle. <laughs> <laughs> Immortal no more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Vandal Savage continued to live on. However, he was able to make the jump over to Earth-1. Um, this is where he continued on his quest for world domination. Honestly, he even gained more enemies, like the likes of Wally West the Flash. This is when Wally West decided to take on the mantle after Barry had sacrificed himself due to the events of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And one of the most notable interactions between these two and probably today's WTF moment in comics is Vandal Savage wanted to take down Wally West by creating a gang of Velocity 9 users. <laughs> yes, the same Velocity 9 from the Flash TV series. He gave them to basically junkies. Oh, that that goes well 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and they were able to kidnap a, a friend of Wally's, or as like someone that was connected to him. But they didn't kidnap Wally. So Wally had to go to Vandal Savage's hideout, and during this, like, two issue three issue or so battle between with vandal savage vandal was able to inject wally with velocity nine and for several issues after that wally had no powers so it takes away your powers if you're a speedster i think it short-circuited him in a way it like gave him too much of it back then it gave him too much of a boost that it just it, it because it was too much power being used it just left his system okay well, kids, let that be a lesson to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, after that, Vandal Savage has been operating around in the DC universe. He um he has joined many teams. At one point, he was a part of like the Demon Knights. Um that I'm not gonna talk about that much there because unfortunately he kind of became more of a jokey character there. But since then, he has been fighting against like the, the likes of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Uh, you name it, they've thrown hands against Vandal Savage. 
And we know this because of the fact that not only in comics, he has popped up many times in the DC animated world or DC live action productions. So some moments in which you've seen Vandal Savage already is in Justice League, the animated series in the Savage Time set of episodes. Uh, he also popped up in Justice League Hereafter, an episode in which Superman got punched by Toy Man so hard that he flew to the future and he was um, living alongside with Vandal Savage because they were the only two left. Uh, we also got Justice League Doom, which he already covered. Legends of Tomorrow Season mm. 1 focused heavily on Vandal Savage, as we know. Uh, of course, he was a big part of Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. And now, as we were going through it, he is a big part of the Young Justice series. Um, not already faced off against his arch nemesis, Wally West, in our first season. But you will see him expanding a bit more on his story, um, not only in this season, but also in the following season four as well. Yeah, so with all that, uh, the one question I have for you, Andrew, is uh, do you think that Vandal Savage is going to pop up in James Gunn's DC Universe now? He better be the villain of Superman Legacy. Um, <laughs> I, I think he will because I don't. I don't. I don't think he's ever been used in a wide release film. Mm -hmm. So he would be something fun to incorporate. And how do they beat that? Beat him when he is immortal? You know, that's going to be a, a good question. Do they like lock him in a chest and throw him at the bottom of the ocean? You know, what are they going to do with this guy? So I, I'm looking forward to one day getting Vandal Savage. As to who would be my Vandal Savage, I, hmm, you know, Jason Momoa is too busy with Lobo, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to go out of the box, and I'm going to say... Henry Cavill. Just ring him back as Vandal Savage. Ooh, yeah, that would be good casting. <laughs> Throw on a, a, a Geralt wig, paint it black, and <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Vandal Savage. He's not using the Geralt wig anymore. Like, honestly, I'm pretty sure he took one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anybody to for Vandal Savage. I do love the Henry, the, the Henry Cavill twist. I think that would be a nice touch. Um, especially because you know, there with Vandal, there's no way that you can just immediately get rid of the problem, which I think is like a lot of uh, something that a lot of people say are issues with some superhero movies where it's just like you take away this villain, you have him for one movie and then you kill him by the end. With Vandal Savage, you can kill him as many times as you want. This dude going to keep coming back like he he's he's no racial ghoul. He's better. You don't need a pool. Right. Exactly. My man breathes. He just breathes and comes back to life. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up our episode. Um, we're going to be coming back next week. We got some more Young Justice for you. In the meantime, check us out on our socials, our Patreon for more content. Um, also, Threads. We're on Threads now. Oh, yes. Yes, we're on <laughs> Threads. We're, the, we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, take care of yourselves. And remember, if you ever see a bear, call Vandal Savage because he's the only one that can help you fight that bear. And if you lend your friend your water bottle and there's clay and backwash, first of all, they're disgusting. Second of all, that's not your friend. That's Clayface. <laughs>